0: Hey everyone, it's Axel. Today's show is sponsored by Casper. Go to casper.com/winterfell, use promo code winterfell and get $50 off select mattresses. It's a great way to get a good night's sleep as well as support the podcast. Go to casper.com/winterfell, use promo code winterfell for $50 off select mattresses. DJ will be with you later to tell you a little bit more about this, but for now, here's the show. And then it's recording. Is it running now? How do I sound? Do I sound okay? You sound great, dude. And me? All right, me. All right everybody. Well, welcome to you Podcast Winterfell. We're live, we're doing this. Morgan's sitting here. She looks nervous. <laughs> this is making this so much more fun. I love it. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. It's been a while. I think the last time uh, we were with you, Mike and Matt yeah. did a podcast. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we are sitting here in Portland, Oregon, and it is me, Axel. We got Mikey Hull, and we have Morgan Foley Hull (laughs) sitting here as well, his wifey. They moved here. They live here, so we're live in a room together. I have some background photos that I'll be posting to the Twitter (laughs) and the Patreon Patreon and whatnot. So it's going to be a chill one. We're going to spend this podcast talking about... The Animated History of the Seven Kingdoms, Conquest and Rebellion, Game of Thrones, the Season 7 Blu-ray special. It's about 40 minutes long. And since we're here chilling, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit, then we're going to play one, then we're going to talk about it, then we're going to play one. I might even just throw in the audio. Yeah. Is that legal? Can I do that? Well,
1: I think that you can Matt kind did of- it. You can intro and outro, maybe not play the whole entire thing. Yeah, okay. But then that way there's a clear spot for people to pause the podcast, watch the show, and then come back to our conversation.
0: Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. That's what we'll do. All right. So um, now that we've gone and dispensed with the introductions, let's uh, make Morgan talk. Mike, (laughs) I'll let you handle this part. She's your wife.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is Morgan, and she is my lovely wife who moved with me to the West Coast. and I could say all kinds of wonderful things about her. but that's really irrelevant. Um, the point is that I watched Game of Thrones because of her. And uh, when we first started watching the show, like it was just a little it was something that was more her thing than mine, really, the whole dragons and Lords and ladies things. She has book series that are that type of thing that she likes, and so on and so forth. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to watch The Dragon Show with you, because sometimes you have to do that if you want to remain married. That is true. Or in a relationship. You have to watch things you wouldn't otherwise normally watch. And then we watched the first episode, and uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, then you know what happens at the end. And it was, of course, amazing, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, I had the same experience everybody else had. Like, what the fuck is this? You nah. know? And so I, we've watched every episode together ever since. She's not read the books, and she's not done any podcast. And I think no. you know sometimes she's a little bit uh, judgy in her face about how excited <laughs> I've been. Judgy in her face. <laughs> but, Damn. Um, but the truth is, the only reason I'm like involved in anything or watch the show at all is because of her so now we're here and we've got my rather camera shy wife to come podcast (laughs) oh no now he's actually taking a picture (laughs) so dear uh i don't is that a good introduction what else should i say
2: um i don't know I think you covered
1: it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. You've seen every episode, many of them more than once. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, I was like, so you're going to talk a little bit about the show when we were on the way here. And she was like, well, I mean, you either like it or you don't, right? (laughs) right, So, but of course there's a million levels of nuance. What do you, what are like some of your favorite things about the show? Aria. All right. (laughs) (laughs) let's
2: talk about that a little bit (laughs) did you buy She's my favorite and she's the only one that has to make it to the end
0: did you buy the whole um because we've talked about this endlessly on the podcast the stabbing remember when she got stabbed on the bridge and then all of a sudden she was just okay a little bit late now i think now we've chalked that up to them it's just time passed that we didn't see I'm will, I, but, I accept that now. But at the time, do you get nitpicky like that when you watch the show? No. Just in general, I'm asking.
2: I mean, there's far too much mystical, magical stuff going yeah. on to start questioning how something happened. Yeah. I couldn't watch the show if I was going to question how things happened. Because, I mean, even those last few episodes of the last season.
0: Mike, We got a mic adjustment here. Yeah. Is it upside down? I was looking at it. The wire's going up. No.
2: It's because it's curled. It usually... it usually goes on the side, but I knew I'd be looking back and forth, so I was trying to get oh, it Oh, yeah.
0: We're doing mic adjustments here, ladies and gentlemen. This is fun. I like this. We're Maybe one day we can get Perry on the podcast, too. Let's go wake her up. She's asleep in the next A room. She'd kill podcast. me. She would get so excited. Reaction podcast for like, your podcast. Going on your podcast. I am that not is, going on your
3: podcast.
1: Not what Perry sounds like. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe she just doesn't talk to me. How
0: are you doing? A little how, how do we sound now?
1: now. Is that working? That's working.
0: Cool. <coughs> so, but as a filmmaker too, you can you probably give things more of uh, a wide berth too, right? Like you just realize, like we talk about on the podcast too, you realize how hard it is to make this show. Right. So you don't you're not going to be crapping on, you know, a costume looking bad or you know what I mean or like some mistake how many layers they have to go through to make the show.
2: Right, for the most part, but I mean a show of this caliber, how often does that happen? And we haven't really had anything to nitpick that much about
0: wonderful to hear see that's uh, that's not our universe but there is a lot of podcast winterfell people there is a lot of
2: question in our house sometimes over whether something was meant
0: Uh, of course
2: whether something meant something was like foreshadowing Mm -hmm. or whether it was just you know lights happen when you're in a studio or (laughs) well
1: i get that the other thing is, you know, she, uh, in the same way that, like, you know, you grew up on sci-fi and have been a sci-fi yeah. fan for a long time, and so you're really kind of steeped in the sci-fi language. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so you have a real ability to to fall into that that material when you when you see it, right? And she has a much deeper experience with fantasy
0: oh, okay. than
1: I do, and so I think that that's another. Part of it is that there's certain just kind of rules of the fantasy world, you know, that right. she is just much easier to kind of fit into. Whereas I'm coming to it from like, you know, I like hyper-realistic stuff usually. And yeah. so the dragon, this is the first time I've ever like taken anything seriously that had a dragon. Yes, my you
0: know? and dragons were not synonymous <laughs> or princesses and princes, So you know.
2: I think the first time I actually did critique a decision that they made with that came close to like costume was and you disagreed with me, and it had to do with the dragons <laughs> and it was over i I could not accept the fact that the dead dragon with holes in its wings would be able to fly and used its wings to fly, oh. even though there were holes. And the air would go through them, yeah. and that just wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't That's know like, why I did get very hung up on that. Yeah. And Mike's like, "It's magic; they could fly because of magic." So yeah,
0: yeah, I could see that.
1: But that you know, it's like uh, she's a big fan of of the Sword of Truth series by an author named Terry Goodkind, and like, you know, it's I don't I don't want to necess you know the the game of thrones stuff george martin does his own thing and and it is realistic magic the way he does it and you know the magic is used sparingly and there's all yeah. these different things that have been talked about about the way that he has inverted the genre kind mm-hmm. of right
0: and the politicalness the political aspect the show of it too.
1: oh there's all of those things yeah. right and so it's not really right to compare the Sword of Truth series and the Game of Thrones series directly in that way. But there are a lot of ways that you yeah. can compare them, you know. And so I think that... Um,
0: They'd be found in the same place in the bookstore.
1: They would be found in the same shelf Absolutely. in the bookstore it's just v- a percent
0: It's like a difference between like an Arthur C. Clarke book or like... Ready Player One. They're both right. science fiction, but Arthur C. Clarke spent like ten pages talking about like how a satellite works,
1: <laughs> right? You know, not so she... pop
0: culture references, and not that I don't. I lo- I loved Ready Player One.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that that um, that that's one thing. Whereas I kind of come at appreciating the the historical references and all the political stuff in the show. You know, I think she comes at it like this is the first time there's been. A high production value fantasy yeah, serial yeah. television yeah. show. That's yeah. Definitely. We watch. She had me watch a little bit of the Sword of Truth series that they mm-hmm. did on what was it? The WB. On the WB.
2: <laughs> yeah, there. And it wasn't even one of their high production. What was, so, it? was it called?
0: The Sword of Truth. What was it called? Uh,
2: the series of the show or the series of the book? The show. The show. I believe it was called the Sword of Truth series. Oh. It might have been called. Um,
1: Richard and Cullen, maybe or something like that. Yeah, I was
0: thinking. I just wonder if I had ever seen it. But you know,
1: it, imagine if if Game of Thrones was made as a half hour series on the WB, like it no. is precisely what you what you're imagining. Like it was exactly that, right? the
2: lowest end CG possible, and yeah. heavily relying on that for
1: most of you know their effects. Only there's like a Merlin character. And there's a lot of like, bro, oh, yes, shooting stuff yeah. out of your hand, magic and stuff, right?
2: <laughs> so, I mean,
1: I think that that was one thing for her. Is we sit down and we're watching this show, and it's a legitimate fantasy show, but it's also being done at a production scale that is just unheard of, you know. Yeah. And every we we all recognize that
0: we forget just in that, terms don't of we?
1: Television, let yeah. alone in terms of fantasy yes. series. I think
0: that 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 people forget that, and that's another reason to be con- to be positive you could you see now even um even with a show like for example handmaid's tale which you know 10 years ago they probably would have removed uh, a lot of the kind of like alt history i don't know if you guys saw that mm-hmm. because it isn't a way like sci. it's a, it's kind of sci-fi like alt like dystopian you know what i mean mm-hmm. but now that stuff's so popular in game of thrones you know i think we got to credit the lost with that because when you <laughs> think about it that was the first that just shows nuts right. like Lost is insane sometimes i remember something that happened on lost and i was like i can't believe that was on abc well
1: it really pushed and the boundaries and they did that like
0: was the weirdness acceptable. of it. yeah you know what i mean it was like i mean you, you, you know, like there was nothing ever again like Twin Peaks, but Lost kind of um, made it pop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pop as in like pop art, you know, like McDon- mm-hmm. the McDonald, McDonald's mm-hmm. of Twin Peaks. But I would never call Lost the <laughs> McDonald's of Twin Peaks, but you know what I mean. But now Game of Thrones, because you know they're going to do um, uh, what you would call it Lord of the Rings on Amazon.
1: They are? Yeah. Oh my god! they're
0: doing they bought the rights from the uh estate, and they can do anything they want with any of the books and they're gonna do like spin off series and they're putting as much money as Game of Thrones into it it's gonna it's supposed to be like you know the Game of Thrones killer, Lord of the Rings on Amazon what are
2: they gonna do an alternate ending or something No, I think that they might just
0: <laughs> you know what I think they might just bring in. They might, I mean, who knows? They might just do the original story starting with The Hobbit as a TV series, but then again, they might just hire people to write something new, you know, like they did with Star Wars. I know a lot of
1: people love them, but those movies are terrible
2: i was gonna say i don't the think first ones redo are good the hobbit is show, very
0: bad the no they're not <laughs> you oh good. mikey see, you i see i love the lord of the
2: rings I, I don't think they'd be able to redo it as a tv show just because it would be constantly compared to the movie like yeah. the yeah, quality they, and the amount of money they can days, put into it will never they, compare
0: to what they did in they the made movie. three how many freaking spider-man i don't i can't even keep <laughs> track of who was spider-man or who was Bat. like people today they don't care right do you know what i mean they just do it again so they'll be like those movies came out in what the early 2000s right so it's been long enough I mean honestly if it's been a year it's probably been long enough by now to just redo it but anyway we digress so you love the fantasy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and now you love Game of Thrones were you last season this is fun to ask these kind of questions Uh now last season did you feel like it was a different show You know, that was like a big complaint kind of in the community that it was so fast. It was like there wasn't as much character building. It was more like trying to be epic on a grand scale instead of on the character scale. Like I'll put it this way. Previously, the big thing was the Red Wedding and there's no dragons in the Red Wedding. There's just great acting, Mm -hmm. right? But now it seems like everything has to be something explodes, the White Walker, you know? like Or do you just see that as a natural growth of getting towards the end? Well, yeah. That it's picking up the... the I know.
2: personally feel it's like a crescendo.
0: Okay. okay I also cool. think
2: that we've gotten to know the characters to the point where if you spend too much time... I mean, you mentioned that I like Terry Goodkind and the sort of truth, and one of the biggest complaints with that series is how he can get lost in re-explaining the same things over and over, to the point where you skip through pages. And, I mean, I don't feel like he's over-explaining the characters, and there isn't a need to, like, really focus on every little nuance of a change, unless it's, you know, actually important to the storyline. Then again, I mean there were some things that seemed overdone and ridiculous about the end of last season. I don't know if that was necessarily like just because they're crescendoing or if they feel pressured, but I mean, yeah.
1: isn't it refreshing to talk to somebody who doesn't read about game of Thrones on Twitter?
0: Yes. That's what I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to say. Cause you know what? The <laughs> it's thing really was? refreshing. It was, gr- I really had a good time watching this conquest and rebellion because after Game of Thrones ended, I was a little soured, I think, and it wasn't just the show. I felt like, just in general, maybe maybe it's not just it's not just social media, but also my own feel of like well, the the podcast and being so into it and everything like that is just kind of negativity. You know what I'm saying? Like I felt that there was a, a great amount of negativity and less appreciation of just enjoying this fun ride you know what i'm saying and like and with respect to the fact that they're doing the largest production and like the, i yeah, keep but, on saying it, know, i think it's true in the history of the world I know, this is the and, largest tv or film production and, ever done
1: and that's true but the thing that the thing is nobody was complaining about the production elements that's the thing right that like right as as i've kind of sat with this more and i i really like to take in. Especially TV and movies, like, not just away from the space, away from the release time when everybody's talking about it, but also just kind of as an individual by myself, to let it take me over if it can, to give it the opportunity to take me over if it can. And... And I think that, um, you know, obviously we don't do that when we're we're doing a weekly thing. We're enjoying the kind of juggernaut of it. But when you step back and watch it again later by yourself, separated from everything, it's just like a project that you're doing. You think you're done editing? Don't look at it for two weeks. Go read a book. Edit something else. And when you come back and you look at it again, you're going to have more ideas, right?
0: And you get pulled into (sighs) it anew.
1: And so going back and watching the end of the you know the end of the season and and listening to what we talked about and my complaints and stuff you know da da that this your because I've listened to some of the podcasts that were coming out at the time and your defense of the show rings hollower and hollower frankly <gasps> as we go oh, snap, to be diesel. honest because <laughs> nobody's complaining about the production about okay, okay. what everybody's I like complaining that challenge. About is the way the story was told it is writing and for, every, writing. for everybody yeah. you know that they hired to do this incredible thing exactly. you have to wonder What Right? And then, and I have to say also something else that influenced my feelings about this, (laughs) was that right after Game of Thrones ended, we watched The Deuce. And I watched The Deuce with Jason, you know, and we didn't watch it over eight weeks. Jason and I watched it four episodes at a time in a two-week time span. So, like, I consumed that season of The Deuce immediately, and the writing on that show was, you know was just, and dude, it just felt so different. Nuanced and layered. It just felt so much better and fuller and richer. And for all the money they spent (sighs) on the incredible, the unquestionably incredible production that they put together, they could have fired half the writers, hired a couple of the women from the Deuce, and I think ended up with a much better season.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe you're right about that, and maybe... I guess you're you're right. That's kind. I don't know. I don't know what the term for that type of argument is, but um, maybe I guess what I was trying to say is, I should I should say instead. I guess I see it as kind of a scale, and I forgive Mm -hmm. some of the. I forgive what I acknowledge are what I think are not great choices in writing Mm
2: -hmm. or
0: plotting because of the scope Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. That's a better way of putting me personally, not that I think in essence it totally makes up for it because you're right. I hope my hope is, and I hope I'm not disappointed is that in season eight, that will be corrected a little bit because some of this stuff and I don't read too much off season stuff, but I read a little bit, and one of the things said that they kind of um kind of realized that they had to build to something. they heard the complaints. yes, <laughs> not only did they hear the complaints, but they they felt like they had to get to this point, and this was the rush. It wasn't the rush to get to the end. Right. That's what was I think worries people that they're rushing to get to the end. Right. They were rushing to get the wall down. Now they can chill and tell a more complex story over what is turning out to be. They're saying now, like, what six or seven hour and a half to two hour episodes. That's crazy. The other
1: thing that I that keeps coming back to mind that is really easy for me to forget because it's like mind blowing to me every time I remember it. The first time somebody explained to me that the reason why I don't like Transformer movies and a lot of other movies similar to them is because I like movies that are about people and emotions and writing and acting. And those movies are not made for, and they are not being just made for an English first audience. They're being made to be sold internationally oh that's a good yeah and that's so, a great point you yeah, know that's true. when you're gonna translate that's still frustrating though well it yeah. is i mean because i'm i'm a little art nerd and i like art nerd movies right and, and you like, know and then you can you still write... s-
0: there's other things that do have that that can be successful that don't have to have megan <laughs> and they, fox and, and i think that they <laughs>
1: I think that this show, you know, as it, and I know, you know, it's been enormously popular for a long time, but at this point, it's, you know, it's spent three seasons just considered an absolute juggernaut, right? Yeah. And so, in that scenario, and also this enormous, amazing production that you keep talking about has got to be paid for somehow. Yeah. So, they're making a show that has to be translated into Spanish, Swahili. Chinese, you're right. Deep rush, you know what I mean. This they're translating. And a dragon blowing
0: down a wall is a lot easier to understand Dude. than the complex nuance of the red wedding and who All, deceived I mean, who and and how many. This is true. You That's know, true. How many
1: people? How many fans have they picked up? Since it stopped being so much about the machinations of the relationships within the stark family, yeah. which we are also obsessed with, and became about dragons okay. blowing down walls and when it becomes so i just yeah. I feel like that there is probably an enormous amount of pressure on them from the people who are paying for this beautiful production to make sure that their shit can be translated into Swahili and mandarin that 's true no problem right, and that is a a consideration that none of us give a fuck
0: about because i'm watching the
1: show in english you know
0: i appreciate that point mike and thank you very much and now i have absolutely zero hope for season eight (laughs) And I uh, expect it to just be a bunch of dragons fucking <laughs> while little children die and Littlefinger laughs. I mean, tits <laughs> and dragons work always, right? You know,
1: that's another thing. You don't have to translate Missandei in that's the river. What they're,
0: that's what they've know? been leading up to. Dragon fucking. Dragon fucking. That's what it's all about, people. That's what this spinoff is. The Deuce on Dragon Street. <laughs> oh, no. On Dragon Square. All right. Uh, l- let's, let's watch this. This fucking thing all right it's all it's all we're we're already stoned and having fun all right let's see let's introduce this okay so um so as a little overview okay con we're gonna start watching this conquest and rebellion did you have anything else you wanted to say morgan before we go on no one one last chance Is it snowing or sleeting out? Did you start hearing that? It was snowing. It's
2: supposed to
0: be snowing. Oh, cool. All right. Maybe we'll get a pic of us out in the snow together. Or maybe not. Um, So Conquest and Rebellion tells the story of the Targaryen Conquest, which first unified the Seven Kingdoms nearly 300 years before the War of the Five Kings, including the founding of King's Landing and creation of the Iron Throne. So this is a cool little series one of the let's talk a little bit just about over just about watching this and uh your overall impressions first off i liked it very much but one thing i noticed is is that the first nine chapters like they're telling the story and then the last chapter is like hundreds of years <laughs> you know what I mean? like It's like, then the thing happened. And then here's the whole rest of the history of the Targaryens. So I almost feel like the last chapter could have been its own thing. But in general, I want to say that I feel like this thing is fantastically done. Mm -hmm. The animation's super cool. I wish it moved a little bit more and was a little bit less of panning and zooming Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. iMovie style into larger canvases of art. Right. Um, but I thought it was super cool. And I would I would suggest this. I would almost say when I was finished watching this, I was like, if I knew someone that wanted to get into Game of Thrones. You
1: start here. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say
0: watch this forty-three-two minute thing first. Right. Then as soon as you start. You understand what where Danny and her and her brother are. All of a, I felt like it gave me a good understanding of her too, even that little scene where he talks about them begging in the streets and everything. Just seeing it kind of as a cartoon made me feel a little bit more about the character, but in general I thought this was really cool. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I was surprised by how much I missed Viserys.
0: Oh, yeah, it was cool to hear his voice, Which too. I did not expect.
1: Yeah. But as soon as I started hearing Becerra's voice, I really enjoyed it. And I have been really not nice about him. Uh, but it was great to hear him. And it was also, I really appreciated how, uh, and if you haven't seen this before, if you're going to watch it along with us, you know I'm not going to say too much here until we actually see it. But I don't want to say he's presented in a sympathetic light, but he's definitely yeah you
0: understand you get the feeling
1: you get his perspective yes, good. in his a much less yeah. kind of like sneering and and just obnoxious way than you ever did in the show yeah because in the show the only thing you ever heard was you know it's mine and I'll let 10,000 horsemen rape you to get it and yeah. in, in this it's a little more of him writing his own myth which I actually really enjoyed
0: they tried I think it made me think it made me kind of maybe even realize for the first time, and we may have talked about this all the way back in season one, but maybe they tried a little bit too hard to make him the villain in season one. You know what I mean? Like he was, cause he is kind of like the villain of the season. If you think about it Mm -hmm. Um, and it did, but it it was kind of fun though. The actor was a little over the top. I mean, you know, he reminds me of uh, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, um, uh, the dude that plays uh, Loki,
1: yeah,
0: in the Thor movies, almost right. owes. It's like in that same lineage of those <laughs> guys going back to like the Sword and Sandals movies, right. you know, which in a lot of the first season of Game of Thrones they're kind of aping that when they continue to. But all oh, right. that,
1: that was oh. kind of the classic way that like the Nero character was portrayed yeah. in Roman yeah. movies. Or like the, the Caligula character. Mm-hmm. That kind of screeching, entitled. Yeah. Um,
0: like jo- jo- Joaquin Phoenix in um, the... Uh, what was that movie again with Russell Crowe?
1: That movie is terrible. I know, um, oh,
0: I know. The- A. Hustle loves it. He was saying the other day, I love that movie. And I was like, when that one Best Picture, I was like, threw up in my mouth
1: that movie gladiator until people start talking yeah and then they stop talking and they start sword fighting lions again and the movie's great and then they start talking and it's terrible it's like the cleanest (laughs) depiction of how dialogue can ruin a a perfectly good tiger fighting movie yeah you gotta fight the tigers man
0: (laughs) all right morgan do you have anything you want to say before we start
2: uh i haven't seen these yet so i'm gonna watch them along with you
0: oh i dig that very cool all right you ready mike Here we go. We'll just keep recording and I'll just edit this. So uh, let's see. I'll just say, here we go. And then I'll edit a little bit of the real thing later. Okay. That sounds good. Perfect. Here we go. This is part one, chapter one, Valeria's last scion house Targaryen.
4: This world wasn't always so small and petty. Thousands of years ago, while the rest of men prayed to gods, the Valerians became them. Through magic or sheer will, they mastered the greatest creatures in history. A horse grants man dominion over the land, a ship over the sea. But dragons gave us the sky, and everything and everyone beneath it. At its height, my ancestors ruled the known world. Whatever parts we didn't, weren't worth knowing. Our capital of Valyria shamed the magnificent cities of the East, for hammers and chisels were no match for dragonfire and sorcery. It was a city and an empire built to last until the end of time. It didn't. Four hundred years ago, the doom fell on Valyria. Mountains cracked open like eggs, lakes and rivers boiled, fountains of fire, ash and smoke spewed from the ground, so high and so hot that even dragons burned in flight. The land splintered and the angry sea rushed in. In hours, the greatest city in history became history. But my ancestors didn't burn or drown with the rest of their race. Twelve years before the Doom, despite the sneers of his rivals... ...Aenar Targaryen abandoned the capital with his family. Legends claim that his daughter foresaw the destruction of the city in a dream. More likely, Aenar met with some mishap at court... ...and chose exile over execution. He and House Targaryen... ...slinked away to a dreary, remote, godforsaken island. Forsaken no longer. With arts now lost to the world... ...we transformed a tiny outpost into Dragonstone... ...a fortress fit for the last dragonlords. Then Aenar's descendants settled into it like a tomb for their lost homeland. Until Aegon. When he looked east... He saw the past, old, tired, dead. But when he looked west, he saw the future. Gold in the ground, gold in the fields, and no dragons in the sky but his. He and his sisters Rhaenys and Visenya flew over the great continent, ostensibly visitors to a strange land. But when Aegon returned, he ordered construction of a massive table carved in the shape of Westeros, with all the notable rivers and mountains that they had seen. A personal map of the Seven Kingdoms, then ruled by seven squabbling families. House Durrandon held the Stormlands from their seat at Storm's End, due south of Dragonstone. House Hora of the Iron Islands had also conquered and enslaved the Riverlands and ruled them from Harrenhal. A monstrous castle rising on the shore of the God's Eye. House Stark held the frozen wasteland of the North, the oldest, largest, and emptiest of the kingdoms. House Lannister held the Westerlands, the wealthiest kingdom, thanks to their gold mines. House Gardener held the Reach, the second wealthiest kingdom, thanks to their crops. House Arryn held the Vale, or rather, the Vale held them. The mountains were impassable except through the bloody gate, which had never been taken. House Martell held the deserts of Dawn, probably because no one else wanted them. Together, the seven kingdoms made Westeros, a realm that wasn't yet a realm, ruled by great families who didn't know what greatness was. Aegon would teach them. Hey
3: guys, I want to take a minute out from the podcast and tell you about a fantastic mattress brand out there called Casper. These mattresses, designed by humans for humans, are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. I've had such a bad lower back from lots of years of lifting DJ equipment and all types of other work I've done. Well, I've tried a bunch of mattresses from those big box stores, spending way too much money, and always left tossing and turning. Then I found out about Casper. Right away, I was happy. I didn't have to go to the store and have some salesperson follow me around. I went online and saw they have over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. I also found out they're becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Here's why. They're affordable due to cutting out the middleman, a of the salesperson breathing down your neck at the store they're delivered right to your door in a small, how they do that, size box. You get it, up to your room, you open it up, and there you go, a comfortable good night's sleep. That's due to breathable design that cools and regulates body temperature, and the multiple supportive memory foam that's the right amount of sink and bounce. And thanks to our friends at Casper, we now have our own promo code, Winterfell so you can head over to Casper and get a quality night's sleep just like me. That's right. Go to Casper.com Winterfell, and you can get $50 towards select mattresses by using Winterfell at checkout. Some terms and conditions apply. Again, head over to Casper.com Winterfell, use our special Winterfell promo code, and get $50 towards select mattresses.
0: All right. So we just watched part one valeria's last scion house targaryen that was super awesome man that must be exciting as a uh, book person to see valeria there i mean
1: uh, we always love any mention of valeria right
0: yeah that was pretty cool i like how they showed them all partying out and everything like that and drinking wine and living the life and i think it's super cool i you know because I'm not a book reader, but even though I've watched all these behind the scenes stuff and I listened to the history of Westeros and other great podcasts, it's still good to kind of remind me of where this has come from. And it's really kind of fun. Do you know? Did you know that stuff, Morgan, as um, being a fan? No. Like about Danny's family and everything?
2: No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Know about um, the whole like homeland being destroyed or anything? Had they mentioned that in the show and I just
1: missed it? Yeah,
0: they might have, but I don't think they make such a huge (laughs) deal. It's not, yeah, I mean,
1: the doom of Valyria is a much bigger deal in the books and in the fan community than on the show. I mean, that's what I mean about talking to somebody who, like. Her only experience of this is the show, and she really, she talks to me and like other people she works with and stuff about it, but doesn't do the obsessive thing that we do,
0: right? Of course, Perry is the same way too, man, and And it's it's always fun. It's actually really nice. End up pausing it halfway through the show and then having like an hour conversation about, (laughs) and and I'm always like piecing it together because I still dumbass didn't read the books, but this is so fun because it really gives you that idea of. How their? Because I do remember um, Viserys in uh, season one mentioning that their ancestor was smart enough to leave.
1: Well, and that's one thing too that's interesting about this um, is just the we only know of the Targaryens, and so the idea of the Targaryens as being just one of the families from Valyria who had to go into exile. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting kind of perspective, too. Yeah. And like you are mentioning, they show everybody partying and dancing and yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? This idea that the Targaryens weren't necessarily the kings of Valyria.
2: Well, and even more than that, the dragons. Oh, that's an interesting point. You keep hearing about how in the past there were so many dragons and now there's, you know, only three and that they had been gone for a while, but... Though the dragons that they remember from their past are only offspring of the ones that came over. Right. And there's how many the, you know, they didn't even name a number, but how many dragons yeah. did that many families have? Oh, a yeah, whole land a full point, of dragons, yeah. you know?
1: There's also this this perspective that we have of Danny being magic. And, of course, I talked about it a lot yeah, that's this a year point. with the blue eyes and, and, you know, the blue walkers and the blue and dragon. And she's
0: descendant and, of all this. And,
1: and, and that, you know, that also c- kind of calls that somewhat into question. And, in fact... The voice over here, Viserys, says, you know, was it blood or magic? Nobody knows, but they tamed the dragons, right? Oh, yeah. But so this perspective of the Targaryens as being not the only and not even the most important people in Valyria, but then... They weren't also not the only ones who controlled the dragons in Valyria. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, they wouldn't have been exiled if they were the only ones that were fireproof. So everyone <laughs> no. was fireproof, making well, the a dragons a lot less
0: dangerous for them. They weren't like these magical outcasts. You right. know what it reminds me of? I'm thinking of it now. It's kind of almost like Superman, right? Right. Where he comes from a planet of Superman. Right. He was normal. But it just so planet, happens that when he comes they? here, he seems like a Superman because of the difference in the gravity or however right. they explained it, or the crypt, the sunlight, right? So that's like, in effect, you're kind of cluing into Danny being this kind of tiny speck of this whole greater picture, right? You know, that she now represents. But it's interesting, too, that um, it's kind of. It, it, it it, it it reminded me of kind of like, excuse me, like medieval times. And then when you, when you learn in school about like, you know, whatever the dark ages and medieval times, and then you learn about like the Greeks and the Romans and you're kind of like, wait a second, isn't this in reverse? Mm-hmm. And then you start to understand that history is like waves. <laughs> right. It doesn't, it's not just an ever climbing mountain that everything always gets better. You know, like there are great societies that fall and that's an interesting concept to think of Valeria and in this, in this story, in those terms, you know, like, and I, there's also aspects, I think, of course, of like maybe Mayan culture or Egyptian culture in the Valerians, that kind of magical, like (coughs) somehow they had a connection to, um, a nature object which is the dragons you know but
1: and i guess pretty it's, cool it's not really clear from the show or anything we have in canon that that viserys wasn't fire that viserys because he because like if I guess if you poured a pot of molten gold down Danny's Danny. mouth, she'd probably oh, died too, No, because
2: right. she got in the boiling water at the very beginning. The whole thing is she didn't have the blood that... He didn't have the blood that she did. She was the one carrying it on, but, I mean...
0: See, that goes into my theory. Have you ever read Solaris?
2: So, yeah, maybe not everybody is, but also maybe the fact that they're so far removed and not I mean, in homeland anymore
0: taking time to throw in a crazy theory hold on people uh, <laughs> this My, this, that, sorry Morgan. you just witnessed a podcast aside <laughs> they're easier to do when you're talking through skype sorry to interrupt did you ever see solaris i mean did you ever read the book solaris did you ever see the movie did you, Mike? Did I talk about this? Yeah, I've talked about this with you before. Yeah. That I have this idea that the ma- you have, that this is a world where if you believe, you have the magic. Like, that's the rule in Game of Thrones. Now, I don't think it'll ever be verified and maybe a book reader could tell me I'm wrong or something. It has to become blood from a family. But I think my sense is that that is meaningless, Right. And that it's about um, self-determination. you know right. that it's like a magical self-determinist universe that if you believe it, this this world, and if people have read Solaris is about a planet where thoughts it in order to relate to humanity, visiting a foreign planet, the planet itself reacts to humans and starts formulating, uh, like visions and hallucinations in order to try to communicate, but they drive the people crazy Mm -hmm. because they're tapping into their most, uh, deepest fears or greatest triumphs. Right. But it's the planet that's trying to communicate to the people. Right. But it's just like, we can't communicate right. It's too much. So I feel that the Game of Thrones universe is one in which, like I say, if the if you tap into this with belief, you can make it make yourself magic. And she convinced herself truly that she was the mother of dragons by walking into the fire and believing other things, you know. Whereas her brother didn't believe because he wasn't like worthy, right? You know, I don't know. Uh, I could be totally wrong.
1: Well, I also like the, you know, the idea around the Doom of Valeria. Like, you used to listen to Art Bell in the 90s. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? And Art Bell used to talk about the quickening, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I don't know that he got it. I don't know if he made it remember up or Remember when whatever, he had to, but... like,
0: leave, go off the air? I was talking about that with somebody the <laughs> other day. When he was in hiding.
1: Right. Yeah. So, he, you know, you remember that, that idea of the quickening and the idea that, that as as and and you know he would talk about it from many angles, whether it was social or aliens or whatever. Yeah. but the idea that as we got closer and closer to some you know defining or otherwise yeah. apocalyptic moment, and which in 1993 mm-hmm could have been yeah. whatever. There's a lot of talk about the UN or maybe the year 2000. Or they, but, uh, you know, uh, the Y2K the, the, and all Y2K, that. Y2K, yeah, the right? Y2K bug. Um, you know, so there was all these different, but but the idea that we would see more and more examples.
0: Yeah, the, the, the heat gets turned up. The heat gets yeah. turned
1: up and we see more and more examples of this That's type of thing. That's interesting. Right, and so to me, and we've talked about this a lot, is that, You know, what is... Because after the Doom, then you have the three dragons that go to Westeros. And then we know that from there, the dragons get smaller and smaller until they become extinct about 100 years before the story that we're telling, right? And then they return. So, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot, is a kind of Game of Thrones version of the Quickening, where you have you know, basically the reanimation of the White Walkers and the reanimation of the dragons are both a result of some third thing or some foundational thing with the reanimation of the magic. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I've often wondered if the doom is kind of the end of the previous cycle. Oh, and that's, it's that's taken cool. us you know, four hundred years, right? The mm-hmm. Dhammapadas, right? The one I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know, there's the the five different uh versions of creation in the Hindu mythology and we're in yeah. the fifth you know right it's the mayans had a similar thing Oh
0: Mike that's a gr- no I agree with you you know why because the other thing i notice while watching this and as it proceeds we'll see this too is the cyclical nature of the story that uh Grimmy is uh telling mm-hmm. where even in the way that the kingdoms go down mm-hmm. right to the Targaryens in a way mimics things that happened in what we see of the war of the five Kings. And I mean, it's not exact. And of course, book readers would know better than I, but it seems to me that it's a similar type of Mm -hmm. how the, um, how, when, uh, Robert died, things kind of descended. Right. You know? Right. <clears throat> and then they get brought back together. And then they make a big point out of saying that, um, uh, w- oh, it's in a later one. Well, we'll get to it, where um, a non Targaryen is made Hand of the King. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, I don't remember. It was, it's a Stark, right? hmm. And then which mimics here. Does John become kind of Danny's Hand of the King? Right. Right, but Tyrion is now, but anyway.
1: Well, you know, this is something that I something else I really that stood out to me about this first video is when they go through the names of the kings and the kingdoms, like you you recognize Lannister at Lannisport. Oh yeah, but not Gardner. But like there's some of them that you don't recognize. And I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. Because that's something that is you know, that is mentioned in the books. But I actually felt like I got a much better understanding of how those names got changed yeah. from these videos yep. than I have from the books. Yeah, And this I think that that's, that's your point about if you know somebody who wants to get into the show, have them start here. That's an actually, watching these videos, that's a better and better point.
0: You know, I watch so many of these things and I listen to so many podcasts. I'm not sure I ever even heard of House Gardner. before but i like that name right i like it um
1: a lot of times the way these uh, these names come up within the books because they don't at all in the show a lot of times the way they come up within the books is there will still be a surviving family member right like you know but it's like tell the tale but he you know but no but he's like you know he's usually like some asshole and everybody's like yeah his family used to be important and it's just kind of a toss away thing like that. Yeah. But so that's how you get some of these names, you know, in the same way that like Karstark Stark is known as a descendant of the Starks, right? Well you don't know exact you know, you don't ever get like the details of how that broke down, right? Of what the Car Stark separated, blah 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 blah. You just know that they had there's a history there and it's they're similarly kind of glossed over that's in cool. the
0: books. That's awesome. All right, let's move it on.
1: All right, chapter in- two.
0: Chapter Two: Invasion. Spy Master Varys explains how should I pronounce? I always mispronounce that. Somebody send me an email. I always about say Varus, but Varys. I don't what know. do you say, Morgan? No,
2: we discuss it together. So Varus. <laughs>
0: okay, Varys. Spy Master Varys explains how Aegon began his conquest of the Seven Kingdoms. Chapter Two.
5: Though House Darrington titled themselves Storm Kings, they were little more than gusts. Their kingdom in the Stormlands had been doddering to its end for the past few centuries, helped along by other houses, most of all by House Hora, who were nearly finished with a monstrous castle at Harrenhal. Too large and too costly a seat to rule only the riverlands. King Argilac knew where the ironborn would soon turn, You'd think a king who wanted to keep his crown would be wary of a man with fire-breathing monsters. But King Argilac Durrandon wasn't called the Arrogant for nothing. Determined to arrest his family's decline, he sent an envoy to Dragonstone to enlist Aegon Targaryen and his dragons against his enemies. In exchange, Argyllac offered lands he didn't have and a wife Aegon didn't need. For, as the Valerians did, Aegon had wed his elder sister Visenya. Then, as the Valerians didn't, he took the younger Rainies as well. Two sisters, two wives. Perhaps that's why he was so keen to get off Dragonstone. Aegon countered Argalak with courtesy. He sent his own envoy requesting that Princess Durrandon's hand be given instead to Aegon's closest friend and rumored half-brother, Auras Baratheon. Argyllac answered with a box and a note. These are the only hands your bastard shall have of me. Inside the box were the hands of Aegon's envoy. How long had Aegon been waiting for such a pretext? As his army prepared to sail, ravens flew to every great lord of the Seven Kingdoms. All bore the same message. From this day forth there would be but one king in Westeros. Those who bent the knee to Aegon of House Targaryen would keep their lands and titles. Those who took up arms against him would be thrown down, humbled, and destroyed. Poor old Argilac. He couldn't even match Aegon in arrogance. Aegon landed at the mouth of the Blackwater River and raised a primitive Aegon fort in the disputed land between Harren's and Argilac's kingdom, so that neither could decide whose problem he was. Adopting the customs of the Seven Kingdoms, Aegon unfurled his own banner with a red, three-headed dragon breathing fire upon a black field. Visenya crowned him with a ruby-studded circlet of Valerian steel, while Rhaenys hailed him as the first High King the continent had seen since the Dawn Age. As his lords and the gathered locals cheered him, Aegon named his loyal friend to a small council, led by Oris Baratheon whom he called my strong right hand. The title stuck and a bastard became the first hand of the king. But for now Aegon's kingdom contained only a rocky island and a handful of fields. The other kings had larger armies, ships, castles and thousands of years of rule. But Aegon had dragons. He had chosen for the words of his house fire and blood. Before he was done the rivers, fields, and skies would
0: turn red. All right, episode two: Invasion. So it wasn't a Stark; it was a bastard. It
1: was a Baratheon.
0: It's a Bar- it was
1: Baratheon.
0: Yeah, it was a Baratheon, but it was a bastard. bastard That's correct. Baratheon. A bastard. See, I'm seeing all this kind of...
2: I was thinking the same
0: thing. I mean, history works like that, too, in real life, right? So this is what George borrows from. History doesn't repeat
1: itself, but it often rhymes. I like that. that. uh,
0: That's nice. This was a good one. I like this little story. I mean, we're just kind of picking up, continuing along. I think it's kind of neat. I don't know. The more I'm watching this, there's a part of me that, as I was watching it, too, I'm like... Man, does this mean they're not going to do this as the uh spin-off now? Cuz I like this. I like I think I could like this guy. But I don't know.
1: Oh, Agon? Yeah,
0: I don't you know. Mean? Yeah, I don't remember is he like a horrible terrible guy? I mean, well, he's married to his sisters. What's wrong with that? That well, was also you gotta, something. You got to marry found. your sister.
1: Uh, the the another well that was one thing that actually he touched on in this thing is he said as the the Targaryens or the Valyrians were wont to do. He married his sister as they did not often do. He took his other sister for his wife also. So I guess they were accustomed to incest, but not polygamy. I don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe maybe polygamy, just not with your other sister.
1: Maybe. You know what
0: I mean? Because then, you know, that's like, are they doing a threesome? Is it double incest then? You know what I'm saying? Like, how deep are we going here?
1: But this is also... <laughs>
0: Could you do double incest? Is that possible?
1: Oh, my God. This is... you think even, once would be enough. I don't even want... <laughs> I don't even want to I'm try doing to... like a Seinfeld
0: routine here. Yeah. Like, is it just one incest enough for you? <laughs> Come on, George.
1: Uh, um, they mentioned the... This is where you hear the story of one of the people named Darendon, right? Wasn't that the name? Yeah. Um, And that was, you know, we will presumably find out soon why we've never heard that name before. Uh, But he was on the the throne of the Riverlands when Aegon came over, right? So, um, and also the location of the Aegon Fort is important to our story eventually as well.
0: And you can see too how, in a sense, I mean this is an invasion and a conquering, right? But it is a unification.
1: Well, that's what like the it seems like he's always bringing, says, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. True.
0: <laughs> true, true, Mike. But it's in but from the perspective of from the perspective of how we've seen people fight to keep the kingdom together, mm-hmm. how we've seen people like Ned like lie down and his life to try to keep the, you know, the, the kingdom the unified, kingdoms, right. The seven right. king, right. Like how important the customs and rituals and all that, which were created by something, which in effect we see they all hate, which right. is the damn dragons and, and the Targaryens and the incests and the you know right. what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff they buried their own history right right i don't know they any i don't know anybody their who does lives that they to defend the, <laughs> conquerors the who yeah
2: took over their forefathers mm-hmm.
1: it's
2: well,
0: interesting from that perspective to see that
1: right and it's you know it also it makes it very hard to have any sympathy for danny um which i continue to you know i've kind of the way yeah. that character has been done you know i mean there's been some really great moments and she seems to be the only hope for the white walker against the white walkers at this point which is makes her valuable but it's very hard to have sympathy for her perspective yeah. I, you know i think because
0: and the 20 names that she has you, you know, know like from that perspective
1: like she's a monarch and i don't yeah, believe in that yeah. shit Right? So we have seven monarchs is better than one. Yeah. You know? But of course, I'd have never had to live under something like that, so I don't know. They might argue that you know they stop the fighting and you get some peace when you have one instead of another. But I think that's kind of part of George's real point, is that what we really have is a cycle of violence until people are tired of it and have used yeah. all the resources. And then we have a cycle of peace for a while, but then as soon as everybody's got enough stuff to go start fighting each other again... We get wrapped back into a cycle of violence.
0: Yeah, isn't that the way? Isn't that the way, Mike? All right, let's move (laughs) on to uh, episode three House Hoar Ironborn Kings of the Riverlands. Did I pronounce that correctly? Hoar?
1: I guess so.
0: We'll find out. Here we go, chapter three.
6: Aaron of House Orr inherited a kingdom that stretched from the Iron Islands to the Triton. Too great a kingdom to rule from a castle as shittiest pike. For forty years his ironbone plundered the riverlands for stone, timber and slaves to build a seat worthy of him. Legend has it that masons laid the final stone in Aron on the very day that Aegon landed in Westeros. Could have been a divine Owen. Could have been the masons wanted to fuck off before the dragons got there. They weren't the only ones. At Aegon's approach, Harren's river lords revolted, led by House Tully. I thought Harren noticed. Hall could repel an army of a million men. No ladder could summit its walls, and no ram could shatter them. The castle was as impregnable as an old mate's cunt. Harren shut his gates around himself, his sons and his ironborn, and waited for Aegon's army to drain back into the muck. When Aegon finally saw the monstrous castle, he asked for parley. Harren granted it. Valyria had been the greatest empire the world had ever seen. Harren wanted to piss on its ashes.
4: Yield now, and you may remain as Lord of the Iron Islands. Yield now, and your sons will live to rule after you. You see my army outside your walls. You see my dragons.
6: What is outside my walls is of no concern. Those walls are strong and thick.
4: Dragons fly. (laughs) But stone
6: doesn't burn. When the sun sets, your line shall end. Harren spat and returned to his castle. Once inside, he promised lands, riches, and tallest daughters to whoever could bring down Aegon or his dragon. As the sun sank below the horizon, all of Harren's men patrolled the battlements, hearing wings in every gust of wind. But the moon rose and sank. And no dragon appeared.
4: While the ironborn were ringing the battlements, Aegon drove his dragon Balerion higher and higher in the night sky, so that even the great castle of Hall looked like an anthill below them. Then they plunged straight into the castle, well inside the guarded walls. The five towers of Hall reached towards Aegon like a hand. Balerion opened his mouth and
6: bathed all the fingers in flame. Harren was right. Stone doesn't burn, but men do, even when they're iron-born. (laughs) The dragon blasted my ancestors into ash that choked the survivors when they screamed. Harren's soldiers leapt from the battlements and died. They huddled against the walls and died. They fled across the yard and died. Harren and his sons took shelter inside the castle. The stone didn't burn, but as Beleriand blasted it with fire, it glowed white-hot. <laughs> the world's greatest castle became the world's greatest oven, baking the last of house Aura within it.
4: Outside the castle walls, the towers of Hall glowed red against the night and began to twist and melt like five huge candles, with liquid stone trickling down their sides like wax. The next morning, Aegon forged a new riverlands. He named the rebel Edmund Tully as his Lord Paramount of the Trident and had the other river lords swear him fealty as their new liege. For centuries, House Horror had terrorized the riverlands. Under House Tully, the riverlands would at last return to peace and prosperity. After the castle cooled enough to allow men inside, Aegon ventured into the ruin he'd made of Heron Hall. He saw the ashen bodies, the scorched stone, and the mangled and melted swords of his former enemies. To his men's confusion, he ordered these useless swords collected and sent to his Aegon fort.
0: Hmm. Now why would he do that? Yes the iron throne that was kind of cool so
1: i really like the animation in that one a lot
0: yeah that was nice yeah wow. um very comic booky is it so is harren hall named after this guy harren whore that's correct does that happen a lot in the book that he plays with words yeah. like that i think, I think that's interesting.
1: That- and something that you've just been hearing all of a sudden. Yeah. You get this like two sentence. It's like adding. It's like for... kind of
0: like adding like a synchronicity mm-hmm. to the book. I it's like nice. that. That's interesting. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. was kind of, that was an interesting one. But the thing I I want to understand.
1: This is where the first time we hear about the Tully's.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, so they, so um, Am I understanding it? Because this is the thing that sometimes I get mixed up, like not being as much known with the history. But because, so did the person, did the Iron Islands, they controlled the Iron Islands and that area too? Right.
1: And I am under the impression that the Tullys controlled that area before the Ironborn came and took oh, okay. it, Okay, I was
2: wondering the same
1: thing. As the impression uh, that I okay. And that's why their okay. whole thing is about iron why, strength and right. <clears throat>
0: being and, that shows and taking that, what you want. that's cool.
1: And this is kind of the peak of the Iron Islands, yeah. you know, reaving era, was when they were able to take over the Riverlands, which, of course, has a lot of crops, yeah. and, and so there's a lot of money going through there for that reason. And then, you know, as you heard... Um, from our favorite ironborn character of the current uh generation right uh they you know he said you know they reaved the riverlands for stone and slaves and and you know everything they needed for him to be able to build heron hall yeah uh and that's also it was that animation is interesting because every time we see heron hall or every time heron hall has been is mentioned in the books it's a twisted broken ruin Melting. and so it's yeah it's kind of fun to see animation of
0: oh that's cool the
1: mighty heron hall
0: yeah see that that's that's interesting to me i just think it really is great the world building here mm-hmm. you know you really do have to appreciate it and that's why n- no ever slight to the book readers we may joke <laughs> But I understand world building and I love it. And I get wrapped up into this kind of stuff, just hearing about just now, even it's kind of fun to think about when you see you in the show, you kind of think about that. You know what I mean? Like that's the history that he lives with, that these mm-hmm. characters live with that. And so much of these characters in a sense, it's not just extra world building or like what's people sometimes say, um. Oh, you don't need to know that. That's from the books, mm-hmm. you know? But it adds so much because especially in this world, these characters derive motivation from their histories, right? Well, so it's important to understand yeah. it and be interested in it when even if you're watching the show, you find a little fact, you could all of a sudden think, oh, that's interesting, you know?
1: Well, and it's part of what motivates the individual characters, and that's part of what the interesting thing is, is figuring out how, you know, what makes a character an individual as opposed to their history and society. and yeah. all that stuff that we talk about all the time. But I also just think it's fascinating that he, he has managed to build a world that is so deep and wide and interesting that it can be taken on by multiple creators. And I don't just yeah. mean the guys running the show, I mean, all of the artists that did this stuff and all of the actors. and Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, good point.
1: I mean, what other, who else has, re- like, Star Wars is really the only other, you know, certainly that's been created in America in the last whatever, in my yeah. lifetime. You know, I mean, how many things can you think of like that, where the, the foundational concepts and the character building and the world building and everything... Is so deep and wide it can be expanded on by multiple creators. Yeah. That's really pretty impressive, you know. And the idea that, like, we're there's so many things for us to pick up and learn, but it doesn't feel like it's just some bullshit somebody made up after season five because they figured out this was popular, (laughs) right? That's true. It feels like, and and maybe that is what's actually driving this information. Maybe George didn't actually think of any of this stuff until there was a need for Blu-ray extras. I don't have, you know. Well, he is
0: making those two books, right? The World of Fire and Ice.
1: And some of, Right? right, and some of the, you know, so there is this question of like, how much of this did, is already there. And I don't yeah, know that who it can cares, be, right? But it's the, all my point good. is just it's that still it's still good like, as good though. It remains interesting, yeah. and it's done well enough that even if they are making it up because they need more hashtag content because yeah. it's so hashtag successful, yeah. <laughs> right? Even if that's the case, they manage to do it in a way that it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, with I agree. these not yeah. so much with the end of the last season but with these extras. Yeah, these are fun. Another thing I think that's really interesting about that it, George really seems to have grasped the under the concept of monumental architecture from the era, right? And this idea that like people would see you know uh, the Roman aqueducts and stuff. Oh yeah. Four generations yeah. after the Romans weren't there, and <laughs> thought they were built by giants because how could human beings make something like that? Even yeah. though it was, that's right? fun. And then you look. Then when you learn about like the cathedrals, you know the European cathedrals and things that were being made in England and stuff, Buckingham Palace and all this kind of stuff. They build these things to make the common person walk in and feel intimidated, feel God must have a hand in holding the ceiling Mm -hmm. up because look at how high it is, right? And George, he doesn't like talk about that stuff, the architectural details and things very often, but when he does talk about buildings, they are built to impress. They're built to make a point. They have Mm -hmm. their own social fabric kind of, right? And he talks about Harrenhal in that way. And I, I always find it really interesting when he talks about, because he talks about it, as, and, but then he blows up the sept. We have you know dreams yeah. where the, the red keep well, has been blown off and snow is coming in, the dragon comes, right? Yeah. So it's in the way that he does with everything that's supposed well, to be him- impressive. He undercuts that shit before he's done.
0: But doesn't that also um, speak to the uh, like uh, the stability and instability of uh, culture and society? Sure. Like when you build those big buildings, you build them to make the people feel like there's. God, like you were saying, God has to hold it up or whatever. But but there's also it, it also requires a makes certain people amount of feel secure. Stability. And it, but right? it does require yeah.
1: a certain amount of social security to be able to have the specialized people to get the materials to build. But the that's thing, true, right? Not everybody's just out trying to hunt for fucking mushrooms. Yeah. If you're building Aaron Hall, right? Yeah, that's so true. it is. It is. A, it it is. It's both.
0: Well, the Romans got in trouble with that, right? Where they just kept on building shit and spending all the money. And building bigger and bigger. There were they had lots of problems. That, <laughs> no.
1: that was one of them.
0: But. but that's another podcast. That's a different podcast. That's, that's part 11. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Axel. Uh, as I was editing the podcast, I realized that with the audio clips, this is a super long podcast. So I decided to split it up. So check your feed soon for part two of our live watch of the season seven Blu ray animated uh, feature conquest and rebellion later thank you for listening to podcast winterfell podcast winterfell is a part of the dvr podcast network you can check us out at dvrpodcast.com become a patron go to patreon slash dvr follow us on twitter at winterfell pod follow us on facebook at podcast winterfell and follow the dvr podcast network at DVR podcast.